After going slightly sidetracked in the past couple of Mishnayas, the beginning of the fifth parak now returns to the discussion and the process of the Yom Kippur And we already learnt that the Kohen Godel went to the top of the Mizbeach and shoveled some coals from there and then placed it on the floor in the Azara, in the courtyard. And now this Mishnah picks up from that point. They brought out for the Kohen Godel the kaf, which was a type of utensil whose purpose was to hold the spices of the Ketores. And they also brought out a different shovel. Not to be confused, there were now two shovels. One shovel was the one which the Kohen Godel took the coals from the Mizbeach and was now on the floor of the Azara. And now this other shovel contained the Keturah spices in the shovel. He then takes a full handful with both of his hands from the Keturah which is in the shovel. And he puts it into the utensil which is designated for carrying the Keturah which he had taken a handful of. Now there wasn't a fixed amount of the Keturah which would be bought every year because it was always the two full handfuls of the Kohen Godel. So, a Godel fi Godloi, a Cotton fi Cottonoi. A large handful according to its large size, and a smaller handful according to its smaller size. The amount of Keturus would vary based on the size of the Kohen Godel's hands. And says so the mission of a Kachos Midasa, and that was its measurement. Now, what is the mission coming to tell us? So, once the Kohen Godel had entered the Kohen and he enters, as we're going to see, with the shovel full of coals, as well as the cuff carrying the Keturus. Once he entered into the Kodeshim, he would then once again take a handful of Keturus from the cuff which contained the Keturus. So the mission is saying the exact same measurement, the exact same amount of Keturus which he took as a handful before he entered into the Kodeshim and he put into the cuff. Once he was inside the Kodeshim and he had to take a handful of Keturus from the cuff, so he would basically empty out the entire cuff and it would be exactly the same amount as of Keturus as he had put into the calf, he would take out in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Now an obvious question needs to be asked. Why would the Kohen Gold take a handful of Keturus outside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, empty it out into the calf, bring the calf into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and then take a handful back from the calf? Why doesn't he just take a handful of the Keturus and bring it straight into the Kodesh HaKadoshim like that? What is the need for this calf? For this utensil holding the Keturus? holding the spices. So the answer is, that the Torah says that the Kohen Godel is only allowed to enter the Kodesh HaKadoshim once. Now, since he needs to carry the shovel of coals as well, so he's not able to carry a handful of Keturus with both his hands, and also to carry the shovel of coals. The only way he would be able to do that would be to put the shovel in his mouth or something to hold the handle in his mouth. And apart from the fact that that would be very difficult, it's also considered to be a lack of honor. And so in order to be able to take the shovel of coals and the spices into the Kodesh together, he would put the two handful, the double handful of spices into the calf, and then not he would take the shovel of coals in his right hand, and the calf, the utensil holding the spices in his left hand. Since the shovel of coals is much heavier, he used his right hand for that. Now according to the Tanakhama, the second base Hamikdash had two parochos, two curtains which separated between the Kodesh HaKadoshim and the Kodesh, also known as the Heichal, the Bishamidosh building, which wasn't quite the inner room of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, which had an even greater level of holiness. Now, why were there two different curtains which separated between the Kodesh HaKadoshim and the Heichal? So the truth is, in the first Bishamidosh, as well as in the Mishkan, it wasn't a curtain which separated the Kodesh HaKadoshim from the Kodesh and the Heichal. 
Rather, there was a wall, and the Torah says that the wall was one amal thick, and there was a door which the Kohen Gadol went through in order to reach through the Kodesh into the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And that door was covered by a curtain. That was the curtain which existed in the Mishkan and in the first Beis HaMikdash. However, in the second Beis HaMikdash, the height of the second Beis HaMikdash was much higher, and because of that, if the wall would only be one amal thick, which the Torah says it had to be, then the wall wouldn't be able to stand because of its massive height and its relatively small thickness. And so because of that, they were forced to use a curtain for the entire height of the of the Beis HaMikdash instead of a wall. Now, when they used a curtain, they had a doubt. Because in the first Beis HaMikdash, where there is a wall, the question is, do we view that place where the wall was situated, that Amor? Is that Amor part of the Kodesh HaKadoshim? Or is that Amor considered part of the Heichel, part of the Kodesh? They didn't know, and because of that, they made two curtains with a gap of an Amor between them, because that was the area where it was a doubt as to whether it was the Kodesh HaKadoshim or whether it was the whether it was part of the Kodesh. This way they would make sure that nobody would by mistake enter the Kodesh HaKadoshim, if indeed that Amor was considered part of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And they also had the curtain, the more inner curtain, so that they would make sure that once the Kohen was inside the Kodesh HaKadoshim, he would know exactly which parts were definitely part of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. As we're going to see, the Kohen stood right by the curtain. So he had to make sure that he was fully inside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and therefore there are two curtains. Now, in order for the Kohen to enter the Kodesh HaKadoshim, he would have to go to the side of the curtains and go through into the Kodesh HaKadoshim. However, if he pulled aside the curtains slightly in order to enter the Kodesh HaKadoshim, other people would be able to peek into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, which is forbidden. And so the solution to that was that the curtain, which was the outer curtain, nearer to the Heichel and to the Kodesh, that was folded over uh, slightly on one side, whereas the inner curtain was folded over slightly on the other side. So he wouldn't just go through on the side of both curtains and through into the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Rather, he would go, let's say, on the left of the outer Parochas, and then walk along in between both of the curtains until he reaches the other side on the right, and the inner curtain was folded over slightly on the right side, and then he would go into the Kodesh HaKadoshim. So that way, nobody would be able to see into the Kodesh HaKadoshim, because the inner curtain would block their view, and by the time he went on the right side, so now the outer curtain would block their view. So the mission describes what exactly he did. He would walk in the Heichel, towards the Kodesh HaKadoshim, until he reaches between the two curtains, which separate between the Kodesh and the Kodesh HaKadoshim, and in between these two curtains was an Amor distance, as we explained. Now Rabbi Yossi actually argues on this, Rabbi Yossi says, there was only one curtain over there, and not two. Shnema, as the Pesach says, And the curtain will separate for you, between the Kodesh, the Heichel, and the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Now, even though, of course, that Pesach is referring to the Mishkan, and not to the second Beis HaMikdash, Rabbi Yossi is saying that there was no difference in the second Beis HaMikdash, because according to Rabbi Yossi, they did not have a doubt as to whether the wall had been considered part of the Kodesh HaKadoshim, or part of the, or part of the Kodesh. They knew that it was part of one of them, and so they only needed one curtain, because they knew exactly where the Kodesh and the Kodesh HaKadoshim separated and became different rooms. Hachitzainah, the outer court, the outer curtain, nearer to the Heichel, nearer to the Kodesh. It was folded over on the south side of the Beis HaMikdash, 
which for us, if he's walking towards the Kodesh HaKadoshim from the Heichal, so that would be the left side. That Panimis and the inner curtain in Atzofein was folded over on the north side, which if you're looking towards the Kodesh HaKadoshim is the right side. Mahalik Benehem, he walks in between them. After going to the left side and then being in between the two curtains, he walks in between them, Ajimagiel Atzofein, until he reaches the north side. On the right, Higiel Atzofein. Once he reaches that north side, he turns his face to the south, and this is once he is in the Kodesh HaKadoshim already, and he walks towards the Orain, so that he is in between the two poles of the Orain, and he walks towards his left with the curtain, meaning he's right next to the curtain, until he reaches the Orain. Now the truth is, in the second Mishamikdash, there was no Orain, as we'll learn in the next Mishnah. So in that case, you have to interpret the Mishnah as to the location where the Orain had been, or would have been. Higiel Orain, when he, once he reaches that place of the Orain, and there's a discussion whether this means that he actually reaches the Orain, or he reaches in line with the center of the Orain, or the center of where the Orain would be. Because it could be that he stayed right next to the Pereiches, but didn't actually move towards the actual place of the Orain. Be it as it may, Nesinus Amachta, Benchnei Abadim, he places the shovel full of, full of coals down on the floor in between the two poles of the Orain, or where that would be if there was an Orain. He would pile up the spices of the Ketores on top of the coals. So he would pour the spices onto the coals. And the entire room of the Kodesh HaKadoshim would become full of smoke. Only once it was full of smoke was he allowed to leave. He would leave in the same way as he had entered meaning he would walk backwards, away from the Kodesh HaKadoshim, that was a way to honor Hashem and to show his awe and his Yiras Shamayim, which he has, so he walks backwards in a state of awe, and he prays a short prayer in the outer room, referring to the Kodesh, also known as the Heichal, he wouldn't make a long prayer, the Gemara explains that he would only pray for a few things, that the Jewish people would have enough sustenance that year, that there would be enough rain, and that the tribe of Yehuda would retain its rulership. He would only pray for very few things. Why? In order not to scare the Jewish people, because if a Kohen Gadol was not fitting to be a Kohen Gadol, if it was not righteous enough, then he would actually not survive this service. He would die inside of the Kodesh HaKadoshim. So if the Kohen Gadol is taking a long time over his prayer, and nobody is allowed to be in the entire Heichel even, whilst the Kohen Gadol is performing this service, so they won't know that he had left the Kodesh HaKadoshim and is now in the Heichel, and if he is taking a long time, then the people will be very frightened that he had died in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. And because of that, he would only say a very short prayer once he had left the Kodesh HaKadoshim. Mr. Bates, Mr. Nital HaOrein, once the Orin was taken away, and there is a discussion about where exactly the Oren disappeared to. According to some, it was hidden by Yeshua HaMelech. But from the fact that this Mishnah says that the Oren was taken, not that it was hidden, but it was taken, we are going to understand that this Mishnah holds that when Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed the first Besamikdash, he took the Oren as well. Be it as it may, once the Oren was no longer there, during the second Besamikdash, Evan Hoysasham, there was a stone there in the Kodesh HaKadoshim, which had been there from the days of the first prophets, not literally the first prophets, but this is referring to Shmuel Hanavi and David HaMelech. They discovered this stone, it was called the Evan Hashasiyah, the foundation stone, because David HaMelech and Shmuel Hanavi 
discovered and realized that this was the stone from which the entire world was created. This was the first part of the earth to be created at this point, and that was in the Kurdish HaKadoshim. So even though the Oran was taken, that remained there. It reached the height of three fingers, the width of three fingers, and on top of that stone, the Kangolo would place the Keturis, he would place the shovel of coals on top of there, and the Keturis onto that shovel on top of the Evan Hashseer. Mr. Gimel, so the process of the Keturis has been completed, but the Kangolo is now going to go back into the Kurdish Akadoshim a number of times to throw blood towards the Orain. Now, if you recall, we still have this person standing in the courtyard, still stirring the blood of the Korban, which was a bull, so that it wouldn't harden. So once the Kangolo has finished the Keturis service, Notalis Adam and Mishai he takes the blood the utensil holding the blood from the one who was mixing it. And he enters to the place where he had entered before, into the Kurdish HaKadoshim, in the exact same way, in between the two curtains, and he stands in exactly the same place where he stood in the Kurdish HaKadoshim, in between the two poles of the Orain, or if there's no Orain, then in front of the Evin the stone, the Hizomimenu, and he sprinkles from the blood, one sprinkling upwards, and seven downwards. Now this doesn't literally mean he would throw the blood upwards to the top of the Orain and downwards to the bottom of the Orain. He didn't intend to sprinkle the blood to the top or the bottom of the Orain. Rather, it was like he was whipping. He did a whipping motion, just like one who whips, brings his hand, let's say, backwards and then moves it upwards, or he starts upwards and moves it downwards. But it could be that whether he starts from downwards or upwards, the whip would land in the same place. It's not that if he starts from downwards, then he aims to whip at the top. Or if he starts with his hand up and does a downward motion, so he would whip something at the bottom. No, it could be that he whips it at the same place. Question is, is it an upward motion or a downward motion? So to here, it could be the blood would would end up really in the same place in the Orain, roughly, but the point is he does an upward motion and downward motion. And this is how he would count it as he was sprinkling the blood with his finger. He would dip his finger into the blood and throw it towards the Orain. So he would count Achas, one. That refers to the one sprinkling which he did in an upwards motion, and now he has seven to do in a downwards motion. But in order to signify the distinction and the difference between the first sprinkling which was done in an upward motion, and the rest which were done in a downward motion, so when counting the rest of them, he wouldn't count one and then one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Rather, he would count one and then achas v'achas. One plus one. Meaning, the one I did upwards plus the first one downwards. Achas Ushtayim, 1 plus 2. Achas Vesholosh, 1 plus 3. Achas Vesarba, 1 plus 4. Achas Vesholosh, 1 plus 5. Achas Vesholosh, 1 plus 6. Achas Vesholosh, 1 plus 7. And that way he wouldn't make a mistake. He would sprinkle the right amounts in the right directions. And then Yotza, he would leave, again in the same way as he had left the first time, walking backwards. And he places this container of blood on a particular gold base which was situated in the Heichel, and it would wait over there. Mishadalad, they would bring the Kohen Godol, the goat. This is referring to the goat which was picked out of the lottery for it to be brought as a carbon, Lashem, as opposed to the goat which was chosen La Zozel to be thrown off the cliff. Shuchotai, he would slaughter it. The Kibbalah he would catch the blood in a utensil which he would in the future throw onto the Mizbeach. And again, he wouldn't do the entire slaughtering. Somebody would finish that off so that he would have enough time to get a utensil to catch the blood 
of this goat. He enters the Kodesh the place where he had entered before, and he carries this utensil of blood. And he stands in the place where he had stood, between the two poles of the Orain, or in front of the Evanish Sea, when there is no Orain. And once again, he would sprinkle from that blood with his finger, one in an upward direction, and seven in a downward direction. He wouldn't intend to aim the blood at the top, or aim the blood to be at the bottom. Rather, he would do it like he is whipping, meaning in an upward direction, an upward motion, and downward motions. And once again, and he would count it like this, Achas, one, that's referring to the one which he would do upwards, Achas, Achas, one plus one, meaning one which he did upwards plus one downwards, Achas, time one and plus two, Achas, one plus three, Achas, one plus four, Achas, one plus five, Achas, one plus six, Achas, one plus seven, and then Yotza, he left the Kedoshim, and he placed this container of blood on the second base which was in the Heichal, so next to the base where the blood of the bull, which he'd sprinkled first, next to that he would place this blood of the goat. Now according to Yehuda, Yehuda, Yehuda says, There was only one base over there, for placing the container of blood, and there was only really need for one base. Because as soon as he put down the blood of the goat, he picked up the blood of the bull. So Kundrabi Huda he would just pick up the blood of the bull first. Novel Balapar, he would take the container of the blood of the bull from the base, Masoir, and he would place down the container of the goat's blood onto that base. And now once he had that blood of the bull in his hand, the Hizlimenu he sprinkled from that blood with his finger again a pareiches on the curtain shekeneged ha'orim bachutz opposite where the orim would be. But he would now sprinkle it from outside the Kodesh HaKadoshim in the Heichel and he would sprinkle the blood towards the orim but onto the pareiches, onto the curtain. And he would do this in exactly the same way. Achas l'malav shevelamata one in an upwards direction, one in a downwards direction v'lohoimis kavein l'hazis l'malav he would not intend on sprinkling it towards the top or towards the bottom, rather it would be like he is whipping, and it would be in an upward motion and a downwards motion. Many Mishnayas don't actually include the next few words, because it's just a repetition of what the Mishnah already said, but we will read it anyway, and this is how he would count it. Achas 1, referring to the upwards motion, and then Achas Achas, Achas Shtaim, Achas Shonish, Achas Arba, Achas Chomish, Achas Shish, Achas Sheva, 1 plus 1, 1 plus 2, 1 plus 3, 1 plus 4, 1 plus 5, 1 plus 6, 1 plus 7, and then Notaldam Hasotir in Yatamapar, he took the blood of the goat from the base which was in the Heichel, the golden base, and then he placed down the container of the blood of the bull. That would be according to Yehuda, that there's only one golden base in the Heichel, but according to the Tanakama, who we saw holds that there are two different bases, so it could be that he would place down the blood of the bull first, and then take the blood of the goat. Be it as it may, once he now has the blood of the goat in his hands, just like he did with the bull, he would do exactly the same thing now with the blood of the goat. He would sprinkle from that blood on the curtain, opposite where the Oren would be, he would sprinkle on the outside, standing in the Heichel, one upwards and one downwards. He would not intend to sprinkle it upwards or downwards, to the top or to the bottom, rather like a whip, like he is whipping, so he would do it in an upwards motion and a downwards motion. And this is how he would count 
the number of sprinkles which he had done. Achas, 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 v'shtayim, achas, v'sholish, achas, v'ayba, achas, v'shchamish, achas, v'sheish, achas, v'sheva. So altogether, what is what is he done? He sprinkled blood four times. First, he sprinkled the blood of the bull in the Kodesh Hakadoshim. Then he sprinkled the blood of the goat in the Kodesh Hakadoshim, and then the blood of the bull in the heichal towards the parochis, towards the Kodesh Hakadoshim, and then the blood of the goat again in the heichal towards the parochis. And now, erod dam hapar soich dam hasoir. He pulls the blood of the bull into the container which contains the blood of the goat. And then he pulls from the full container containing both of the bloods, Barakon, into the now empty container. That way the blood would mix together very well. And we'll see in the next Mishnah that this blood which is now mixed together would be sprinkled on the Mizbeach.